The Ectoplasm Show is brought to you by North KC's Big Rip Brewing Company. Lighten up dark matter, have a craft beer. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Ectoplasm Show. My name is Josh Hurd, and joining me is my good pal, partner in crime brother from another mother, Mr. Jason Kupsik. What is up, sir? I hope that we don't get sued because of this episode. <laughs> oh, fuck. What are we doing? Like, well, they <laughs> they like they are sue happy, the people we're going to be talking about. Is it McDonald's? No. <laughs> I like where your mind is, though. Are you hungry? Are you hungry, buddy? I'm not. Oh, okay, okay. you brought up McDonald's. I did. I'm a little hungry. Um, But no, like, uh, so what what exactly are we talking about then? I am going to say at the beginning of this episode, (laughs) this is all alleged to be true online. I am not making, Ectoplasm Show is not making any claim to the validity of any of this stuff. (laughs) We need a disclaimer. We need a fucking disclaimer. One that really, like, talks really fast, you know, and all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, I'm not normally worried about it, but Like, future performance is not indicative of... Or, like, past performance is not indicative of future results, something like that. You know, we have... I don't know if we need that. No, not that. I'm just saying something similar, something of, of the same nature. Yeah, but yeah. really fast talking guy. Yeah, but so yeah. I mean, we'll get to it in a minute. But we're going to be talking about Scientology and the occult, oh, specifically fuck. more stuff I found about L. Ron Hubbard in his dive into the occult before Scientology mm. uh, even started. But first, we got to talk about the Podbelly Network. Yeah, yeah. And you can go pig out on podcasts over at the Podbelly Network. Go to podbelly.com and check out all the great shows over there. I love and it. I am bad because I've jumped in that group chat so many times and been like, we're going to finally get some of you on the show and then I forget. Oh. Like I did that when we first joined, and they probably hate me now. They probably hate us. <laughs> they hate us so much. But oh. we're still on the network, even though we we actually took like three months off when we joined the network, and they kept yeah, us on. That's true. That's true. Was it three months? It was close to it. It was at least two months because it was at least October, November, and most of December, I believe. Yeah, they should hate of us. Of last year. They should probably hate us. Love you guys. But yeah, you should hate us. Still love you, but you should hate us. God damn. That's crazy. Man, we're a couple of shits, aren't we, bud? Yeah, yeah. but it's all right. Some people like us. I mean, that's cool, too. Yeah, like some people. Some people like us. It's cool. Um, <laughs> I don't know what I was going to say. I was going to make a smart-ass remark about I know Scientology. something that a lot of people like, and that's El Yucateco. Oh, yes. I know that you could go buy El Yucateco pretty much anywhere, and if you're yeah. not afraid of the Internet, you can buy it on Amazon as well. The, yeah, you can. You totally can. I have. We We forgot to mention in the last episode, but we are actually doing a giveaway Oh, yes. Of El Yucateco gear. And, you know, you go and like their Instagram page, like some, or follow their Instagram page, like some of their photos, tag us in comments, which you guys have been. Yeah. It makes us feel really good inside. Mm. Like El Yucateco. I am very aroused. I, love I know you are. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, I could say so much. I love it. <laughs> I'm not gonna do it. It'll make you uncomfortable. So, so how's the manor been? I mean good, really. Like it's been doing good. Um I'm surprised that we are still having 
uh, as much business as we have been, especially like the overnights, I will say. Like the the whole like daytime tours and walkthrough tours, we've kind of stepped back on that a little bit at this point mm-hmm. just because. But, you know, we've kept the, the overnights and all that stuff in place. And people are still uh, showing up. People are still booking and all of that. So it's been busy. It's been active as shit. I will say that. I don't know if it's like the time of year or I, I don't I don't know what's going on necessarily. But, yeah, I don't know. It keeps me busy. That's for sure. That's why I always look like I haven't slept. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, my God. But, yeah. So what's new with you, my friend? Oh, not a lot. Same old shit. Yeah, nothing. Nothing really new. Nothing it's hot. New. It's fucking hot. I don't want to talk about heat, the weather too much, but it's hot. Yeah, you um, you enjoy the cold temperatures. I don't. I don't mind the warm necessarily. I don't mind the the heat. It's when it gets cold and miserable and slick and icy outside. I fucking hate that. Now that's just for the birds. I don't you know, like it, it took. Me ten years to turn my wife into a from a summer person into a winter fall person. Yeah, and uh, it's going to happen to you too. Don't get me wrong; I already like I enjoy fall. I love fall. Like, oh fuck me! Like, okay, the best thing about fall when you can wear a apple pair cider. Of, no, 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 no. When you can wear a pair of shorts and a hoodie, that yeah. shit is sexy. That shit is amazing. I love that. I think it's it's like football weather. You know what I mean? It's football weather. I, I like that. I like Speaking the, the crispness of in the air. Yeah. You think football is going to happen this year? Football is going to happen. Uh, they just... Uh, today, I forget who it was. <clears throat> uh, they... Uh, I, I forget even who this was, but put out a statement basically saying, yes, yeah, so like... Football will be happening in 2020. However, it's not going to look like football in years past, obviously. Um, Obviously, there's going to be some changes, some uh, things here and there that they're shifting around and moving around. But it does sound like they're still going to be playing football. Um, You think college is going to play? That's going to be tough. And I would suggest... uh, hmm, Fuck, I don't know. I don't know if they are. If they do... See, even this is going to be tough. But if they do, maybe it would just be like conference games. Maybe. Yeah. I I don't know. They they could My go a hundred different directions, sad. really. I still think, yeah, they're going to play football. I think they're going to play football. It's such a big – it's a commodity, let's be honest. You know what I mean? Like, it really is a but, big deal. And this is just Iowa people. But no, there's no Cyhawk trophy right this year because they're out of conference they don't play each other that's my understanding like yeah if they're not if they're only going to play like conference games or whatever yeah there wouldn't be any there wouldn't be the Cyhawk game you know couldn't tell you buddy but we'd still get to watch them kick Nebraska's ass so <laughs> anyways our show's not about sports no, I actually, I'm, yeah, yeah. So what do you what do you know about Scientology or L. Ron Hubbard? Mm, not much about L. Ron Hubbard, excuse me, other than the fact that he was the guy that basically created Scientology. It's I don't know necessarily if Scientology today is kind of what he envisioned. Or if it's a, if it's began to morph a little bit with the with as the years pass, um, but yeah, like I know, <clears throat> L. Ron Hubbard was a science fiction novelist. Is that correct? He wrote short stories. Oh, okay. So okay, but he I actually mean, so he he wrote he wasn't just science fiction. He may have wrote some novels, but he wrote. He actually, back in that time, there was two ways to make money as a writer. You become famous, novelist, yeah, and people will pay you for that. Or you can write for like all these different rags 
and get paid a penny a word and right. just pump them out. So he was writing science fiction, westerns, you know, everything. He's just writing Appar- his ass apparently. off. Right. Um, For any honestly, publication that would have him. I know that because I heard about it on a podcast. But I I really didn't do a deep dive into Sci- Scientology or L. Ron Hubbard. Okay. I just looked up some ties that he has to the occult yeah. and where that and all of this stuff happened before he came out with Dianetics and does this stuff lead into and is it part of Scientology is the question in my mind why I was looking it up interesting now wait because <clears throat> what's the basis I'm going to try to pull this up here real quick. I I didn't look up at the Dianetic stuff. I looked up all stuff before that. Yeah, that's fine. I just want to... Um, in a nutshell is what I kind of typed in here. Right? According to Scientology beliefs, Scientology itself is a blend of science and spirituality with belief in an immortal spirit and in improving that spirit here on earth using Scientology's methods. Scientologists do not typically dwell on heaven or hell or the afterlife, instead focusing just on the spirit itself. Um, now, I I think there's some really weird shit in there about like in, like a spacecraft or something like that. I I don't know. Because like right there what I just read doesn't sound that bad. I don't think doesn't sound think, that crazy. I think it was the was it the Mormons that had something Maybe that was it. Maybe that was it. I think it's the Mormons. It was the Mormons. The alien connection. You are correct, sir. They they did a South Park episode on it. I believe. Yeah. Yeah, they did. Yeah. <laughs> they did it. Yep. Okay. So that's what it is. So I'll just I I put down a bunch of notes and they they're kind of we're just tracking my train of thought looking through oh, some yeah. stuff and we'll just see where it takes us. It's some crazy stuff though. So we're going to deep dive um, into Koopsik's brain for a moment. <laughs> I like this. So L Ron Hubbard was born in Nebraska in 1911. Oh, he fuck. claimed so this is just a, a quick overview of him just as a just person. some stuff he claimed about him. It's not very long. So Hubbard claimed to have been initiated by Blackfoot shamans in Montana, then to have traveled widely in Asia and learned the secrets of the Eastern sages, Buddhist priests, and the last remaining magicians from the line of Kublai Khan's court. Wow. So he claimed all this. I, I apparently he was a prolific traveler, but wow, I did. I didn't look into the, any of the validity of that. And apparently there isn't any real authority on his real background. But the stuff we're okay. going to be talking about has a lot of – it's not really about him. It's just some of the stuff that he did. So um, he claimed – to have a near-death experience in 1938 that expired to him to write a book called Excalibur, an unpublished manuscript based on the revelations from the near-death experience. It had alternate titles of Dark Sword or The One Command. The contents of Excalibur form the basis for Dianetics, and some of Hubbard's later publications. In 1938, Hubbard reportedly underwent a dental procedure and reacted to the drug used in the procedure. According to his account, the triggered revelatory near-death experience, or it triggered a revelatory near-death experience, allegedly inspired by this experience, Hubbard composed a manuscript which was never published. With working titles of the One Command or Excalibur, the contents of Excalibur form the. So my notes do kind of repeat themselves from time to time, but there's yeah, yeah. nuggets of different stuff in all of them. Um, in 1957, Hubbard had advertised a very limited edition of Excalibur 
at a price of $1,500 per copy. Jesus. Hubbard's ad cautioned that for the first 15 people who read it, went four of the first 15 people who read it went insane. That's what the ad said. Jesus. He promised that the work contained data not to be released during Mr. Hubbard's stay on Earth. So that's why it was never released, because so, he said that it, it couldn't be released while he was alive. Oh, fuck. So he's um, just, like, building hype, right? Like, he's just building all this hype around it. That's, like, 30 years, 20, 20 years after when he said that. In 1962, Hubbard wrote a letter addressed to President Kennedy, in which he claimed Soviet agents had stolen a manuscript copy of Excalibur in 1950. In 1964, Hubbard gave an interview claiming that Soviet agents had offered him $100,000 and laboratory facilities he needed in the USSR so that he could complete his work. For fuck's sake. Um, in an introduction published in 1991, Hubbard writes about his near-death experience. Under the influence of the gas, he speculates that my heart must have stopped beating. He described his experience as slipping through the curtain and into the land of shades. Uh, a public excerpt included a story. Once upon a time, according to the writer of the Arabian Nights, there lived a very wise old man. The old man attempts to collect and distill all the knowledge of the world after narrowing the work from a massive volume down to a single page and finally a single sentence. So this is what that entire manuscript was finally published as one single sentence. Jesus Christ. That sentence is, all life is directed by one command and one command only, survive. Wow. Um. Forrest J. Ackerman was Hubbard's literary agent in the late 1940s. By Ackerman's account, Hubbard claimed the near-death experience had occurred not in a dentist's office, but on an operating table sometime during the war. Finding himself outside of his body, he was drawn to a great ornate gate. Ackerman recalled that on the other side of the gate, spread out like an intelligent smorgasbord was the sum total of human knowledge oh boy um in 1949 in the 1949 letter to ackerman hubbard discussed his work dark sword cause and cure of nervous tension propriety the science of mind really excalibur hubbard promises that the work will give the reader the power to now this is Honestly, and you guys might have already caught on, and we're just getting started. <laughs> I wanted to look into the craziness of this guy. No. So. No. Um, this is what he claims. He seems totally will Give normal. the reader the power to do. It starts out great. Um, well, not really, but rape women without their knowing it. Jesus fuck. <laughs> Communicate suicide messages to your enemy as they sleep. This one's kind of... It's in there because it must have been a big thing at the time, but sell the Arroyo Seco Parkway to the mayor for cash. Basically what he's saying is I could sell the streets to the city. Oh my god. Evolve the best way of protecting or destroying communism and other handy household hints. That was his blurb selling the book wow what, um, year, what year was this that was 1949 letter okay. to Ackerman which was yeah. his literary agent Jesus Hubbard assured Ackerman that the book had more selling and publicity angles than any book of which I had ever heard no shit in the same month he told writers market and methods magazine that he was working on a book of psychology he cautioned his friends, if you go crazy, remember you were warned, adding that a good publishing trick is to require the buyers sign a legal waiver, releasing the author of all responsibility if the reader goes nuts. Yeah. 
so that's that was just about Excalibur in that book. And I think it set up real well this guy's <laughs> mental well, what he was thinking about himself and probably what he put into Scientology. God. So you've heard of um Aleister Crowley. Absolutely, yeah. Like, for real, yeah. Scientology takes has a lot of mirrors, and there's good reason for it. And we're going to go into some, some crazy cult sex magic stuff now that Hubbard did before he created Scientology. Oh, God. Oh, God. In August 1945, Hubbard moved into the Pasadena mansion of John Jack Whiteside Parsons. Now, this guy, he probably deserves his own like episode about himself, but I'm focusing on Hubbard. Anyways, sure. he's an avid occultist and Thelemite, follower of the English ceremonial magician Aleister Crowley and a leader of a lodge of Crowley's magical order, Ordo Templi Orientis. Parsons and Hubbard collaborated on the Babylon working, a sex magic ritual to summon the incarnation of Babylon, the supreme Thelemite goddess. So the parsonage. <laughs> yeah. The house was called because it was owned by Jack Parsons. He was a rocket scientist and the a founding member of Jet Propulsion Laboratories. Why? These brilliant people have to be crazy. And he was a devout follower of Thelma, a new religious movement founded by English occultist Aleister Crowley in 1904. Parsons was the head of the Agape Lodge. Um, He was a brilliant engineer who helped develop rockets and explosives for the United States government. And he even has a crater on the moon named after him. Jesus. What a crater on the moon named after me. We'll get there, bud. <laughs> Don't you worry about it. Uh, Parsons wrote to Crowley in early 1946, quote, although Ron has no formal training in magic, he has an extraordinary amount of experience and understanding in the field. From someone of his experience, I deduce he is in touch with some higher intelligence possibly his guardian angel he describes his angel as a beautiful winged woman with red hair whom he calls the empress and who has guided him through his life and saved him many times it's hot so the babylon working is a series of magic ceremonies or rituals performed from january to march 1946 by Jack Parsons and and L. Ron Hubbard. The ritual was essentially designed to manifest an individual incarnation of the archetypal divine feminine called Babylon. So this is Babylon, B-A-B-A-L-O-N. And this was somebody that is the... It's basically, from what I deduced, or from what I read, it was revered this person was revered by Aleister Crowley and Aleister Crowley never tried to incarnate her because he felt it was disrespectful oh um right it says the project was based on the ideas of Aleister Crowley and his description of a similar project in the 1970 novel Moonchild. God, dude. Parsons and Hubbard together performed their own version of the secret eighth degree ritual of the Ordo Templi Orientals in January 1946. The ritual is called Concerning the Secret Marriage of Gods with Men or... The magical masturbation. I knew it had to be something sexual. 
It is usually I, I a homosexual it. ritual. I'm like, they're probably doing something together. The purpose of this homosexual ritual, or usually a homosexual ritual, is to attract a woman willing to participate in the next stage. <clears throat> Ladies, let me ask. <laughs> <laughs> you, you see Koopsik and I going at it with one another. Get your wife on the phone. Is your wife around? Um, I could get her. <laughs> Don't. Do not. Okay. <laughs> oh, my God. I don't think that ladies watching a couple dudes do things, do stuff, do stuff and things. Is I don't think – I'm I don't, sure there are women out there that find that attractive, but I don't think maybe. it's anywhere near the amount of men that find two women together attractive. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Interesting. I don't know, bud. Okay, so the... Well, I guess there's only one way to find out. Koopsik. <laughs> Buddy. Oh, oh uh, yeah. We're definitely not doing that. And we're... Doing uh, what? <laughs> I don't even get it. Like, doing what? Yeah, you know. He did me from behind, which felt great. <laughs> there it is. Right there, guys. Um... Shy to me. He did yeah. me from behind, which felt great. Shy to me. <laughs> oh, buddy. I miss our talks. <laughs> oh, yeah. Our little chats. Well, it gets a little crazier. Fuck. Okay. Um, so- Hubbard and Parsons were... This is just the beginning of the ritual. Uh, this was the ritual to get to the ritual. So... Hubbard and Parsons were attempting the most daring magical feat. They were trying to incarnate the Scarlet Woman described in the Book of Revelations as Babylon the Great, the mother of harlot and abominations of the earth, drunken with the blood of saints and with the blood of martyrs of Jesus. Okay. Uh, During the rituals, Parsons described Babylon as mother of anarchy and abominations. The woman they believed had answered their call was Marjorie Cameron, who joined in with their sexual rituals in March of 1946. So it actually did attract a woman. Yeah, it worked. Um, Huh. From January 4th to 15th, Parsons and Hubbard engaged in a nightly ritual of incantation. This is so this. This is some um, some more notes before the woman comes in. Okay. Talisman waving and oh, that's definitely code. Um, <laughs> What's code? <laughs> Talisman waving and other black magic, faithfully described in Parsons' diary as conjecture of air. Ah. What that means? Invocation of Farting. wand and consecration of air dagger. That's what he called there. Their, their magical masturbation. God damn. Um, with the Prokofiev violin concerto blowing, blaring away, the two of them pleaded with the spirits for an elemental mate, a girl willing to go through sexual rites to incarnate Babylon in the spirit world. Jeez, man. Parsons mentions that windstorms occurred on a couple of the nights, and one night the power supply failed, but nothing seriously responsive until January 14th when Ron was struck in the right shoulder and had a candle knocked out of his hand. He called me, Parsons wrote, and we observed a brownish-yellow light about seven feet high. I brandished a magical sword, and it disappeared. Ron's right arm was paralyzed for the rest of the night. Damn. Uh, the following night was even more pretentious. Por- portentous. Portentious? Yeah. Hubbard apparently saw a vision of Freudian one of Parsons' slip. enemies. Parsons <clears throat> wrote, He attacked the figure and pinned it to the door with four big throwing knives, which with which he was an expert. Apparently he was an expert with throwing knives, too. I'm also pretty good with a bow staff. <laughs> <laughs> For four days, Parson had 
Hubbard, Parson and Hubbard were in a state of tension. Then on January 18th, Parsons turned to Ron and said, It is done. He added, I returned home and found a young woman answering the requirements requirements waiting for me. Wow. Just like that? Yeah, and why don't we take a quick break? <laughs> Just a- Seems like really a good breaking in. point. Yeah, that's fine. All right. Well, we'll and take... then we'll come back and talk about this woman who is. Let's see where 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 in my notes does it say who this woman is again? Um, I already said it once. The Babylon the Great, the mother of harlot, the abominations of the earth, drunken with the blood of saints and with the blood of the martyrs of jesus oh god that's who they met okay okay all right well i'm interested to see who this is so come on back welcome to paranormal warehouse Paranormal warehouse is the ultimate social media website for paranormal investigators and researchers create a profile add friends Upload video, audio, and photographic evidence. Discuss theories and techniques in the forum. Create a group for your team or find a team to join. Watch, listen, and comment on evidence uploaded by other users. Join today and support Paranormal Unity. It's free. Visit ParanormalWarehouse.com to join. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. We're waiting for you. Life is a mystery. Confusion is all around us. The truth is out there, but you won't find it here. Maybe it was the ghost of an alien that worked for the government. You know, you remove the alien anal probe out of the story and it probably wasn't this guy's worst Saturday night. Welcome to Hysteria 51, a weekly oddcast of conspiracy theories, mysteries, and the unexplained. All viewed through sceptical eyes and the blurry lens of a beer bottle. Listen to Brent and John make sense of it all each week. By subscribing, find us on iTunes by searching Hysteria 51 or anywhere else fine podcasts are sold. All right, peeps. Welcome back. Ectoplasm show round two. Now we got to get right back into the crazy here. All right. So so who is this? Yeah, so who is the woman? Her name is Marjorie Cameron. Okay. And um, I'm just going to follow my notes. It, it, all, it okay. tells all about her. Okay, cool. Uh, actually, let me... I'll jump down to her Wikipedia. Marjorie Cameron Parsons Kimmel. I wonder if she's related to Jimmy Kimmel. Most likely. <laughs> who professionally used the mononym Cameron was an American artist, poet, poet actress, and occultist, the follower of Thelma, the new religious movement established by the English occultist Aleister Crowley. She was married to rocket pioneer and fellow Thelemite Jack Parsons. So that gave away a little bit of the ending, but not a whole lot of the ending. It doesn't give out the juicy bits, just right. the ending there. Right. Uh, she was born in Belle Plaine, Iowa. Cameron volunteered for huh. service in the United States Navy. Belle Plaine close to you? No. Probably not. No, I have no idea where that's at. Um, during the Second World War, she volunteered for service in the United States Navy, after which she settled in Pasadena, California. There she met Parsons, who believed to be believed her to be the elemental woman that had been invoked in the early stages of a series of sex magic rituals called Babylon Working. Um, okay. They entered in a relationship and were married in 1946. So, come back to the Wikipedia information in a minute and talk a little bit more about what they do when they find her. So when Parsons declared the first series of rituals was complete and successful, he almost immediately met Marjorie Cameron in his own home. It doesn't ever say anywhere in there how he she got to the home. Right. Like stalker um, type stuff or what? Like what's going on there? It doesn't say. I... I Weird. I'm almost positive it doesn't say in my notes, and I couldn't find anything other than that. 
she was just there um okay (laughs) he regarded her as the elemental that he and hubbard had called through the ritual yeah soon parsons began the next stage of the series an attempt to conceive a child through sex magic workings oh man like why do they always have to do this why does it gotta involve sex and she's now pregnant regarded as the scarlet woman by them yeah scarlet woman babylon called forth by the ritual and they soon married unbeknownst to cameron they had just finished using enochian magic is what this part of the notes say okay Upon encountering Cameron with her distinctive red hair and blue eyes, Parsons considered her to be the individual whom he had invoked. After they met at the Parsonage on January 18, 1946, they were instantly attracted to each other and spent the next two weeks in Parsons' bedroom together. Whoa. Although Cameron was unaware of it, Parsons saw this as a form of sex magics that constituted part of the Babylonian working Babylon working a right to invoke the birth of Thelemite goddess Babylon into the earth in human form. So the first part was just to find the woman to have sex with right. that will bring <clears throat> Babylon okay. as a child. Interesting. Going a bit further than Crowley had ever dared to, Parsons' Babylon working was aimed at nothing less that identifying a woman who can serve as okay, so this part did does reiterate some of it, but it has more in there. So okay, elemental spirit connected with the four elements, a partner in sexual rituals, and ultimately as the vehicle for the incarnation of Babylon herself in the physical world. Building on some of Crowley's ideas about the birth of a magical child or a moon child. Parsons hoped to create a supernatural offspring that would be the embodiment of ultimate power. Indeed, this child would be mightier than all the kings of the earth. On February 23, 1946, Parsons wrote excitedly to Crowley that he had found this elemental, a beautiful redhead named Marjorie Cameron. His elemental is turn or in turn was to serve as his partner in sexual rituals designed to bring about the even they repeat themselves even within this its own article yeah um according to parsons remarkable personal accounts of these rites hubbard was intimately involved in the babylon working parsons was apparently impressed with hubbard's natural power of astral vision and recorded that on the night of March 2nd, 1946, Hubbard described a vision he had that evening of a savage and beautiful woman riding naked on a great cat-like beast. Based on his ability to see the astral plane, Hubbard was asked to serve as Parson's seer or scribe during the Babylon working. Indeed, Hubbard became nothing less than the voice for Babylon herself, who spoke through him and was recorded by Parsons. Interesting. Babylon described herself speaking through the voice of Hubbard on March 2nd through the 3rd, 1946. She is flame of life power of darkness she destroys with a glance she may take thy soul she feeds upon the death of men beautiful and horrible and further O thou who art mortal tremble given it it given it is until thee a feat never before performed in the annals of history never before accomplished unsuccessfully Men have dared, none succeeded. Our Lady Babylon must descend to triumph. Apparently, Parsons believed that the ritual had been successful. Thus, on March 6, he wrote excitedly to Crowley, I have been in direct touch with the one who is most holy and beautiful mentioned in the Book of Law. First instructions were received direct through Ron, the seer. I am to act 
as instructor guardian guide for nine months, then it will be loosed onto the world. Okay. In short, Parsons believed he had successfully <clears throat> conceived a supernatural being who would gestate for nine months before being born into the world. Ironically, however, Crowley himself was by no means approving of what he learned of Parsons and Hubbard's ritual. On this contrary, he seemed to be quite upset. Writing to Carl Grimmer, Crowley appointed successor as outer head of OTO. Oh, so that's Grimmer. Mm. Apparently Parsons or Hubbard or somebody is producing a moon child. I get fairly frantic when I contemplate the idiocies of these goats is what Crowley had to say about their actions. Uh, So says that their relationship was often strange between Cameron and Parsons. Um, Although Parsons sparked her involvement in Thelma and occultism, she wasn't into that before. She fell into it very quickly, though. I mean, I guess they're just like, it's just some, but according to, (laughs) and I I thought I would have came across it already. I think Hubbard was in the room most of the time they were doing their sex magic. That's nasty. That's nasty sauce right there. Um, That's gross. After Parsons' death in an explosion in their home in 1952, Cameron came to suspect that her husband had been assassinated and began rituals to communicate with his spirit. Uh, She moved to Beaumont. She established a multiracial occult group called The Children, which dedicated itself to sex magic rituals with the intent of producing mixed-race moon children who would be devoted to the god Horus. The group dissolved soon after that, largely because many of its members became concerned by Cameron's increasingly apocalyptic predictions. Um, anyways. They're like, yeah, we're just here for the sex. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> All right, we'll get back to the, the ritualistic sex a little bit more. Okay. So uh, for the first of the birth ceremonies, which began on March 1st, Hubbard wrote white, wore white, and carried a lamp while Parsons was cloaked in black, hooded garment carrying a cup and dagger. At Hubbard's suggestion, they played Rachmaninoff's Isle of the Dead as background music. Okay, so they met in January, Parsons and Cameron, and they um, had two weeks in the bedroom. So that probably was just because this is the first of the birthing ceremonies and it's March. So it's a couple, like a month and a half later. Wow. So maybe, you know, Ron wasn't in the room for the first, just like when they're going at it because <laughs> they just met. He was definitely there later though. Yeah. <laughs> um, Parsons account for the, Oh my God. This account to the start of the birth ritual is as follows. The scribe, Hubbard, said, The year of Babylon is 4063. She is the flame of life, power of darkness. She destroys with a glance. She may take thy soul. She feeds upon the death of mean, beautiful, horrible. The scribe, now pale and sweating, rested while they continued. So it really took it out of Ron. <laughs> I mean, it kind of sounds like there. that, yeah. Um, Poor guy. There are two... <laughs> Take continue. your vitamins, there... pal. Jeez. This Man. is Parsons remembering the session afterwards. He's the one that said it really took it out, and he rested, and he's sweating. Yeah. He, he goes on to say about bag out his buddy a little bit. <laughs> He's like, yeah, he couldn't handle it. He couldn't handle it. <laughs> um, okay, so he goes on to say there are two possible reasons why Hubbard showed anxiety at this stage of the ceremony. The owner of the paper says he was either deeply moved by the spiritual death of the ceremony, or he couldn't think what to say next. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, Father Hubbard, Hubbard's further instruct, instructed Parsons 
<laughs> I gotta start that one again. It deserves it deserves a better tone <laughs> of voice. I can't wait. I can't wait. Hubbard's further instructed Hubbard further instructed Parsons display thyself to our lady. Mm. Dedicate thy organs to her. Yeah. Display thy mind to her. Yes. Dedicate thy soul to her, for mm. she shall absorb thee. Mm. Retire from human contact until noon tomorrow. <sighs> Speak not of this ritual. Discuss nothing of it. Consult no book Jesus. but thine own mind. Thou art a god. Behave at this altar as one before another. God damn. So they had, he had to display himself to her, but they didn't get to do anything. (laughs) Koopsik, display thyself. (laughs) I wonder if my wife can hear some of this. (laughs) She's downstairs. She's like, what the fuck? (laughs) I hope so. I hope so. I'd probably Um, be getting some weird messages or something at this point. On the third day, the ritual began four hours before dawn. Ron tells his companion, lay out a white sheet. Place upon it blood of birth. Gross. That's fucking sick, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Envision Uh, her approaching thee. Think upon the lewd, lavicious Things thou couldn't do. All is good to Babylon. All preserve the material basis. Thus lust is her, the passion yours. Consider thou the beast raping. Why do they do it? These invocations along with their passages in the ritual indicate that Parsons had collected specimens of his own sperm and the girl's menstrual fluid. There we go. There we go. (laughs) We're getting to the climax. Let's see if it's an actual climax. It's probably just boring. (laughs) Shazam! The climax of the ceremony occurred the following day with Ron at the altar working his two subjects into a sexual frenzy over Rachmaninoff's. He intoned such gems as her mouth is red and her breasts are fair and her loins are full of fire and her lust is strong as a man is strong in the heat of her desire. (laughs) Well, that's that's just a, a lovely, lovely little poem. My God. An exalted oh. Parsons wrote the next day, Babylon is a carnet upon the earth today, awaiting the proper hour for her manifestation. And in the day my work will be accomplished, and I shall be blown away upon the breath of the Father, even as it is prophesied. Wow. There's a lot to unpack there, isn't there, bud? Yeah, we're not quite done yet either. It's insane. Um, unable to enjoy or unable to contain his joy, Parsons decided to tell Crowley what had happened. On March 6th, he wrote, I can hardly tell you or decide too much to write. I am under command of extreme secrecy. I have had the most important, devastating experience of my life. Oh, shit. <laughs> well, wow. Uh, so- Crowley wrote back, You have me completely puzzled by your remarks. I thought I had the most morbid imagination, but it seems I have not. I cannot <laughs> from the slightest idea what you could possibly mean. That's Crowley saying that's Crowley. Crowley's like the beast. Yeah, that's Crowley saying that shit. Like I thought uh, I was fucking say, that's good, good so gem. I don't know what year they got or when they got married. I read it earlier. But during a brief visit to a friend in New York a few months after this, Cameron had an abortion. Oh. So she was pregnant. Yeah. Um it probably would have been the you know, the ender of man yeah. on earth. So I mean really she kind of did us 
all a favor. Apparently, but then really? she went on to start her own. Maybe she just didn't want it to be like with Parsons because then she started her own cult. Yeah. But and she wasn't was trying to bring nailed. on Babylon. She was trying to bring on Moonshield. I think she was just trying to get nailed. Pro- probably. Like, really? Like, I mean, that was like her gig. She's like, it's my favorite thing to do. Just lay back, ankles pointing to Jesus. There you go. My favorite thing to to do. So and crochet. To close out that part of it because there's a few other things. Maybe we'll leave it there. But to close out this part of it, the yeah. Church of Scientology has adamantly denied any connection between Crowley's magic what? and Hubbard's religious ideas. How do you deny that? Well, they say they don't necessarily deny that this stuff happened. They just deny that it has anything to do with Scientology. Uh, it says, while... That's weird. Uh, That's weird. I don't get it. While Scientology does acknowledge that Hubbard did have some involvement with Parsons' group, the church claims that Hubbard was, in fact, working for the United States military intelligence in order to shut down Parsons' occult operations. That's What? What? <laughs> Bullshit. I call bullshit. They're, they cite his Navy experience. <sighs> in December 1969, Scientology published a statement in the Times asserting that these rites did not indeed or did indeed take place, but that Hubbard was sent in on a special military mission to break up the Black Magic Group. I mean, this he successfully did the church claimed rescuing Betty, which was Parsons wife before they invoked or Parsons girlfriend before they brought in this other woman that Hubbard actually ran off with, um, stole money from Parsons. Uh, says that he was sent in to handle the situation. He went to live at the house and investigate the last black magic rites and the general situation and found them very bad. Hubbard's mission was successful far beyond anyone's expectations. Hubbard rescued a girl they were using. The black magic group was dispersed and destroyed. It is worth noting, however, that neither the Church of Scientology nor any any independent researchers have ever produced any evidence for this claim. (laughs) Oh, my God. God damn it. So... This guy, this fucking guy, <laughs> started a religion. I mean, it doesn't surprise me that he started a religion. Right. But how's it? Scientology already has an air about it, right? It's already got all this controversy. It, definitely. But I never heard any of this stuff before. No. About him, the founder of it. No, I hadn't either. Apparently, he went on later to say in some recorded stuff that that's held by the church that he believed himself to be the continuation of the beast after Aleister Crowley died. Whoa. Um, so I have a few more lines and notes here about other stuff about Scientology and the cult. It's more about... L. Ron Hubbard and the occult, but yeah. Hubbard was known to his associates in the late 1940s as a talented hypnotist. During this period, he worked in Hollywood posing as a swami. The church says Hubbard's experience with hypnosis led to his discovery of the principles of diagnetics as a technique for solving man's problems. So power of suggestion. Yeah. Uh, so there was a thing called the affirmations is a document purportedly purportedly written by Hubbard in the late 1940s, a few years before he established Dianetics or Scientology. Dianetics was in 1950, Scientology in 1952. It is weird that Parsons died in an explosion in 1952, the same year that Scientology kicked off when they had a falling out and actually L. Ron Hubbard left with Parsons' former girlfriends yeah, and stole money from Parsons. I mean, it's a little sketchy. Yeah. Just a Uh, smidge, right? Just a little. The affirmations were 
something he recorded to be a form of self-hypnosis. Um, so many suggestions encourage... Oh, so in the affirmations, there's stuff like... It's, it's, it's a self-affirmation. You know what that is, correct? Where you pump yourself up. You read something to pump yourself up. Yeah. So this is a few of the things that are in his affirmations to pump himself up. Okay. That I believe in my gods and spiritual things. Uh, that my magical work is powerful and effective. And you are psychic. Oh. Um, you can do automatic writing whenever you wish. You do not care what comes out of the paper, uh, out on the paper when your guardian dictates. Nothing can intervene between you and your guardian. She cannot be displaced because she is too powerful. She does not control you. She advises you. That, that sounds like you have to convince yourself that's exactly that your guardian does not control you. Right. No, that's exactly what it sounds like. Uh, the most thrilling thing in your life is your love and consciousness of your guardian. Uh, you can talk with her and audibly hear her voice above all others. Hmm. There's also some numerology. So he says the numbers 7, 25, and 16 are not unlucky or evil to me. I wonder what that has to do with anything. Yeah, I guess I'm just not overly familiar with them being unlucky in the first place. I'm just reading my next note here yeah, to yeah. see if it's... Huh. Okay. So in December 1952, Hubbard recorded a series of audio lectures in which he connects Crowleyite magic rituals in the practice of Scientology. Hubbard explains the use of tarot and discusses the magic cults of the 8th through the 12th century. He recommends the Master Therian as the only modern work that has anything to do with him. He describes the book's author, Aleister Crowley, as a very, my very good friend, though there is one, or there is no known time that they ever actually met personally. Uh, Hubbard also explains that Crowley signs himself the beast in Mark of the Beast. So he, this is stuff he records in his lecture. Wow. Um, wow. In the Book of the Law, Crowley wrote, the whole and sole object of true magical training is to become free of every kind of limitation. Huber repurposed this for his movement, lecturing that our whole activity tends to make an individual completely independent of any type of limitation. Old Aleister Crowley had some interesting things to say about this. This what... Um, Huh. So Ronald DeWolf, Hubbard's oldest son, he changed his name when he got out of Scientology, wrote that in preparation for the next day's lecture, Hubbard's paced the floor, exhilarated by that pasture passage from Aleister Crowley's writing. Um, during the Philadelphia course, which is one of the courses he records, he jokes about that he is the Prince of Darkness. Like, oh my God. Um, just two more two more quick notes here. Lafayette Ronald Hubbard Jr., Hubbard's eldest son, had been an active participant in the early days of Scientology in 1959. He left Scientology and later took the name Ronald DeWolf in the mid-1980s, DeWolf gave a series of sworn statements and interviews because there was a lot of different um, uh, lawsuits and stuff. Okay. Detailing his father's history, DeWolf explained his father had been, quote, deeply involved in the cult and black magic. According to DeWolf, Aleister Crowley's death in 1947 was a pivotal event that led Hubbard to, quote, take over the mantle of the beast. Wow. The wolf claimed that black magic is the inner core of Scientology. 
arguing that my father did not worship Satan. He thought he was Satan. God damn. Damn. So yeah, that's all the notes that I have on that craziness. And I tell you, I don't though, like, really guys... know what kind of story is there other than it's that birth Scientology. That person birth Scientology. Exactly. But see, that's just. Um, I'm gonna look here. So one, there's a couple things in there that made me think that. So I know a little bit about Aleister Crowley. And many, including myself, believe that the latter half of his life, he was probably possessed by something. And I'm not talking about like a like a regular demon or something like that. I think Alistair had been possessed through one of his rituals where he thought he beat a demon. Yeah, really took over him because his latter half of his life was all shit downhill. Big time. But there were some things in the quotes from Hubbard that made me think that maybe the same thing happened to him. Yeah. That maybe his, cause this, the stuff in the affirmations specifically about not being control, that he's in control, not his guardian makes me think that there was something there that he felt was controlling him. I mean, it makes so sense. If, if that's the case, so, then it, it wasn't really even him that, came up with Dianetics and right. started Scientology, it would be something from the other realm that possessed him. Something, like, demonic, right? And, guys, just by the way, like, I pulled this up real quick just to kind of reference it also, but, like, if if you want more information just on Scientology in general and kind of the inner workings of that from a very first-hand account, uh, Lee Remini, Leah yes. Remini, like, she did you... that documentary. Oh, my God, that doc series from... It was, it was on A&E... It was called Leah Remini, Scientology and the Aftermath. Check that shit out because it is not only fascinating to watch and see kind of the inner workings of everything in Scientology, but it's fucking scary. Like it is absolutely terrifying on a whole next level. Um, Check it out for sure. Like I just pulled it up online and it says watch now for free. So, I mean, I'm sure you could find it on, on YouTube or, or anything like that. But Leah Remini, Scientology in the Aftermath. And, I mean, you guys know Leah Remini. She was on, like, King of Queens and uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I mean, she's been in numerous things. But, yeah, Jesus Christ, man. It's so weird. It's so weird. So yeah, that's that's what I got. That's what I I spent part of work today just reading some of that like, stuff. Yeah, dude, I notes. love it. I love it. Oh, that's awesome. Just crazy. So do, to you, me, do you have you ever met anybody that was involved in Scientology? No, I haven't. I would I love they, to honestly. Like, I would love to sit down with somebody because I know like there's other people. I what do they call it? It's the league. It's some league. Sea League or Sea Org. Sea Org. Thank C-org. you. Sea Org. Thank you. Yeah, they're the ones that. Well, they're according to what I read. They're today, like in they're school, like basically. Oh, well, they're, that's they're old right. School and they're like the top, and they, they, the the kids are taken at a young age that's and indoctrinated and have to sign a billion year contract. Dude, yeah, to stay a billion yeah. year contract. Like, come on, man, it's crazy. But it's like the people that are jumping ship, you know, it's like I've never met anybody either, but they have buildings in like every major city. I know they have one in Kansas City. They probably have one up by you in Omaha. They have one in KC. Yeah, there's one in KC. Let's it's get a nondescript building with just a Scientology on the side of it. We should like get we should like get an interview. They really don't you, talk I, much about this, though. No, like, they, they really won't. don't. But you could go in and you could walk in to the building yeah because they're actively recruiting i'm not saying that we would get any answers out of them but it might be weird to experience walking in there and having them pitch their religion to quote unquote pitch the religion why we should join sure you think they're gonna like blow something in our face and like fairy dust or powder or something that'll make us like want to do sex magic i don't give a fuck like i whatever it is what it is i'll try anything once right <laughs> 
I'm sure people have tried that. I mean, I'm sure they have too. Like, I'm sure this is. And I honestly wouldn't let us carry a camera in. No, that's the bitch of it. We would have to like have a camera somewhere on our person. And even then, could you really use it without their consent? Because you're inside their building. Mm, It depends on the state, maybe. I don't know. Check into that. Mm. Because, like, even certain phone calls, like in the state of Iowa, I don't have to have second party no, consent. Yeah, I know phone calls are that way, but right, you're but like actually video. in the property. Because I know that yeah, that's the true. That's true. House, you can film. You could film anything from the street. But yeah, you, you probably wouldn't be able to. Their building, you probably wouldn't be able to. It's really not going to stop me. From I mean, people trying, go to North <laughs> Korea and film and get out of there. So we could Sometimes. probably get away with it. Of course. We are subject to the laws of the state that they're in. <laughs> Not right. running away from North Korea. <laughs> right. Yeah, we can't just like... Honestly, I'd be a little embassy. more afraid of the Scientologists than the North Koreans. Buddy, I tell you. Because they can be everywhere all the time and they'll like just smear you. You know what I mean? In every way possible. It's crazy. Again, this is just conjecture I found online... I don't know the validity of it. Please don't sue us. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. Hey, and if you're in Scientology or whatever, fucking call us. I kept we'll coming on across the show. all this stuff about them them suing this person, them suing yeah. this person. It doesn't matter how big you are. They'll sue you if they feel <laughs> you defamed them or you said something libel about them. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, that's crazy. Well, they have a shit ton of money, that's for sure, because the people that do join give literally every penny to them. Mm -hmm. It is crazy, and they'll do it for years and years. All right, peeps. Well, on that creepy-ass little note, we're going to let you guys go. Um, I hope everybody's doing good, and we we will talk to you very, very soon. Peace out.